Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. So today we have a cool take on the podcast. This is the first of what we're calling our Biz 10 episodes. The concept of Biz 10 actually came from an advisor to the project and one of our good friends, Hugh Williams. Hugh was a captain of the Northwestern University football team. We've actually recorded a couple of podcasts with him, so I hope you'll double back on those. But we kind of came up with this idea that the lessons learned through sports would transfer into so many areas of life, but, but certainly into business. For that reason, we wanted to put special focus on some of the episodes that highlighted high caliber athletes transitioning skills into the business arena. For these Biz 10 episodes, Hugh and I sit down together to co-host the podcast. And for the first of those interviews, we bring to you Ryan Mundy. Ryan attended the University of Michigan on a football scholarship from 2003 to 2006. And in 2007, he transferred to West Virginia, finishing his last college season with 45 tackles, three picks, and two fumble recoveries. He was then drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers and was lucky to be part of a Super Bowl team during the 2008-2009 season. Ryan also spent a year with the New York Giants before finishing his career with two seasons right here in Chicago with the hometown Chicago Bears. He's now a successful businessman and entrepreneur. Most notably, he's the co-founder of a company called Swizzle, which makes eco-friendly reusable straws. He'll explain the thought process and the opportunity he saw in this space just a little bit into the podcast. It's a pretty interesting story. So without further ado, from college football to successful businessman and entrepreneur in the first Biz 10 special of the Good Athlete Podcast, please enjoy the conversation with today's guest, Ryan Mundy. Can I learn more about the Good Guy Award? What is this? Where'd this come from? Well, apparently the Chicago sports writers that cover the Bears, they have an award called the Good Guy, Good Guy Award for, uh, I guess, media performance and cooperation hmm. and engagement. And am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, Hell yeah, do whatever okay, you cool. want. Um, so we had a shitty season uh, <laughs> <laughs> here in uh, 2014, and it was just brutal. Uh, week in and week out, we were giving up 50 points, and coaches were backstabbing. Play it was just ugly. Yeah, somebody had to be the face, and you know, Wait, talk to the who was talk that? to the media who was every the head day. Coach that year was that uh... Tressman. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So somebody had to put up with that and engage with the media, right, and answer all the damn questions, and that was me. So, uh, uh. yeah. So uh, you know, I guess in as a small token of their appreciation. They gave me the good guy the award. The good guy award. Yeah. Oh. Can I, can I jump? I got to throw something in here. So uh, the good guy award. I didn't know that he won that. So this is an important recognition. Uh, there is something. So we're called the Good Athlete Project, obviously. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, we can fill you in later on some of the details. But um, one of the big kind of ideas, and the reason we chose the name is, uh, you're right. There's this sort of dilemma that a lot of athletes face, especially like football players or rugby players or whatever it might be, where you don't want to, you can't be like flowery and nice all the time, where you've got to have an edge to you. You can't right. play a game at a high level like that yeah. if you're good. But the, the idea is, like you said about Mean Joe Green, you, you can't be Mean Joe Green attacking a quarterback in the boardroom no. and still have success. You've got to be sort of multifaceted and know when to turn right. that on and off. Right. Right. So yeah. Has that been an easy thing for you to do? You obviously did it at the microphone in front of the reporters. Is that easy or, or do you have to work on that? Is it easy being a good guy? Well, I and, guess uh, to, to switch back and forth. No, I think, yeah. I think um, you know, you have to um, 
I don't think you have to transition your mindset to be honest with you. You just have to repurpose it. And so I guess what I mean by that is like, you're not running into people anymore. You're not, you know, intercepting passes or catching touchdowns, but you know, distill it down to a level two and think about like what allowed you to do that? Like what type of mindset were you in? Because, you know, again, running into people is not normal. Right. 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 Like, especially you know, at the rate that you ran into them. Exactly. You know, <laughs> right. those were some big ass dudes out there. <laughs> right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? You got to you got to have a certain disposition about yourself. Right. Uh, to do to subject yourself to that type of physical, mental uh, duress, you know, week in, week out, play in and play out. Right. It's not for the faint of heart. And so understanding that and just a elite level of that, most people can't go out there and do that. Mm-hmm. You got to say, all right, well. That's who I am at my core, and start to look at some of those adjectives like you know grit, focus, d- discipline, right. uh, toughness, um, you know all those type of adjectives that allowed me to do those physical acts. Right. That's who I am at my core. Mm-hmm. So now I can pick that up and repurpose that and put it into a business context. Mm-hmm. So no, right. I'm not running into people anymore. Right. Right. But yeah, I can still be you know intense in the boardroom. I can still be focused. I can still be disciplined. Mm-hmm. I can apply all those principles into a new concept or a new physical act. Now, would you say that's something that all athletes have, or that's something that you have in a in a different way? That- I think that was something that I had, I had to learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's hard, and then you know, you have to figure that out, and then you have to figure out how to communicate that to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know when they see you, they're just going to think, well, oh, you know, how does you know, football translate into a business context? Right. Or, you know, how does, you know, shooting a basketball, how does that work in the business world? So you have to be able to paint that picture for them, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, was an interesting exercise. But you can't paint that picture until you figure it out for yourself. Right. So how long did it take you to figure that out? When did you when did the light switch come on for you? Um, I think relatively early. So I retired in the summer of 2016. And, you know, on on some days, I think I'm pretty smart, not What's today? Wednesday. <laughs> we'll see. It's rainy out. My brain may be a little foggy, but, you know, I started to meet with folks and talk to them. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, it's not like people are like extremely smart. If that's coming out the right way. I don't know. But like, you no. know, when you I, I think it's like, that's okay, right. well, it's not rocket science. Let's put it like that. Like a lot Only of rocket a lot of is. yeah right. exactly a lot of stuff out here is not rocket right. science, right. Um, but the key is people just have more experience in doing it. Right, you know what I'm saying. So again, going back to those same principles, it's like all right, well, I'm not running into people anymore. Mm-hmm. So how do I catch up on the experience right. curve and apply those same mm-hmm. principles so that now I could be gain that same experience. Right. Um, so that was kind of what fueled me. Um, you know, kind of getting up to speed and understanding how to communicate that. It really gave me the confidence to, to go out and do everything that I've been doing as of uh, since retirement. Yeah. Can you fill us in on that? So, first of all, when did you retire? It wasn't too long ago, obviously. Uh, for, but for those who don't know, and then what have you been doing since? Um, yeah, so uh, just like a quick synopsis, five years in Pittsburgh, uh, one year in New York, Two here in Chicago, 2014. As I mentioned, was shitty. What yeah. was my best year personally? Oh wait, but before you go on, if I could interrupt, Ryan. Um, when we sat down today, Jim was showing off his ring, and oh, I, nice. I didn't. I didn't mean to tell 
you know, oh, I know. he's got a real ring. Okay. <laughs> all right. First of all, Jocelyn's made them both. So <laughs> there you go. That's a fact. But the... Um, Few more diamonds, and so actually, so we we can go down that road. We okay, let's let's back. No, no, up. no, no, no. no. Let's let's go back to the because Fine. I think it's important for us. Look, I I met Ryan after, right after his right was it after? No, in the middle. Of, right that was before like he finished. Yeah, that was in yeah. the middle. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of decision time, and yeah. you know, Ryan's become a great friend of mine since then. I've learned a lot from him just watching him sort of work. Uh, you know, playing connect the dots. So I think it'd be good again for you to just kind of recap, yeah, you know, the career and what you've done to right. put yourself in that position. So 2014, shitty season, going into 2015, new staff, all that uh, BS. Um, but in training camp, I injured my back and subsequently had to have back surgery, hmm. uh, put me on IR for the entire season. And I would be on the couch watching the games, again, watching people run into each other. And for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, that looks like it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, my yeah, paradigm yeah. shifted right. pretty quickly. Um, so with that in mind, started to think about what life was like after football. Uh, was already enrolled into an NBA program uh, that previous winter, the winter of 2015, before that training camp, nice. I got injured. So I was already like on that trajectory. And then so... Um, the following winter of 2016, um, I had met uh, Mark Rose, the CEO of Avis and Young, and um, you know was thinking about life after football. I said, "Hey, Mark, I'm thinking about real estate. You know, would like to learn more." And he offered me an internship, mm -hmm. and so that's how he and I met. Right. Uh, spent a day at the at the Rosemont office, and uh, you know, met the Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> met the Hugh. Uh, but subsequently after that, you know, kind of figured out like real estate really wasn't for me, um, but knew like was on that trajectory of like, hey, I, I'm probably not going to go out and play football anymore. Mm -hmm. That was like a really tough process. And that could be like a separate podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, but subsequently retired and got my MBA in the same month. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this spectrum of like happy and like, oh, shit. Um, but Not new. a lot of kinesiology majors with MBAs. With MBAs? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice combo. You know, we all, we all have, like, uh, animosity because we didn't make it to the the best of the best in the Biz 10. <laughs> oh, here we go. Right. Here in we go. Biz, here. In the Biz 10. But, yeah, you know, oh, I... Good. <laughs> You know, I think about like one word that kind of describes me and it's like curious mm -hmm. and I always open myself up to new experiences. I'm always reading, taking in a, a shit ton of information. Yeah. And so like during that period, I was like, all right, well, I need to get out there. And right. so I would literally just have like an influx of like business publications, local, mm -hmm. national, uh, really trying to figure out what my next move was because I didn't have one. Sure. Uh, my plan was to play at least 10 years. I played eight. So life kind of hit me quickly. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would read these publications and news articles. And if I saw somebody interesting uh, or they were looked like a person that I wanted to connect to, I would literally go to their website or mm -hmm. go to LinkedIn, add them as a connection, find their email, mm -hmm. shoot them a cold email. And that was my process for like at least two months. And, you know, through discovery, I was like, hey, man, like people are responding mm -hmm. and literally they were probably responding because in the subject line, I was putting Ryan Mundy, Chicago Bears, mm -hmm. uh, right. which was helpful. Right. Sure. But hey, you got to hey, do it. Dance, dance with the door. Yeah. 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 Right? It opens 
every door. Right. Right. So I, I realized that really quickly. Um, and that was kind of like the uh, the gas and the tank to kind of get me going and get me out there, learning about the world, seeing new opportunities and things. And eventually, you know, settled on um, like venture capital um, and entrepreneurship, tech investing mm-hmm. uh, coming out the gate. Uh, guys like Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, like they all were garnering headlines about, you know, being the latest athlete investors. Sure. Mm-hmm. This was like way before it was trendy. It's very trendy right now, right, but right. Mm-hmm. this is like the early stages of it. And the first thing I thought was, I was like, well, man, those guys got a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I ain't got yeah. as much money as those guys. <laughs> right. So what does this right. look like for right. me? Right. Um, so in parallel with like meeting all these folks, I knew that I had to, you know, quote, bring something to the table mm-hmm. and really begin to not waste my time, waste their time, but really figure learn, extract something from that conversation and hopefully de- deliver some value to them. So I really started to arm myself with education, like really diving deep into like, you know, what is venture, what is, you know, entrepreneurship, investing, really learning the jargon, um, like integrating myself into that ecosystem, going to different events. Like, you knows, I'm always on a plane right. uh, doing something or connecting with people. And that eventually culminated again where it's like hey this shit is not rocket science yeah you know particularly adventure no shade but it's not um but it comes down to network access and um capital and reach right Right. and i felt like i was like all right well i have pretty much all that i could get to anybody i want to get to i know a shit ton of people people want to connect with me and i got a little bit of money to to figure something out with so you know, call it hubris or whatever you want. Um, but I, that's why I decided to start my own deal, uh, Tech Lead. And, uh, What's it called, sorry? Tech Lead Ventures. Okay. Um, in the winter of 2017, late winter, early spring. And basically, um, you know, investing into early stage companies within sports, media, uh, health and leisure, as I define it, and uh, entertainment opportunities. Very cool. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been up to up until August, where I got into the entrepreneurship game and started an eco-friendly company, Swizzle. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so again, I take in a shit ton of information and just look for like interesting opportunities. Yep. And I saw like everybody was moving away from plastic straws. Mm-hmm. And light bulb kind of hit. I was like, all right, well, straws aren't going away, mm-hmm. um, but what is the alternative? and kind of did some digging and you know the way the universe works i was meeting with a guy monthly just kind of kicking around ideas and he was the one that kind of brought it to my attention and then we you know started to think about what the business application was if there's a straw ban mm. in chicago if there's a straw ban in seattle then right. like what is the business opportunity there uh so we decided to launch swizzle in uh august of 2018 and we have a consumer offering which is cool uh, it's two stainless steel straws, one cleaning brush, and like this eco sheet case. Mm-hmm. So it's like a new age fashion item, you know, yeah. much like um, now everybody pretty much has like a swell water bottle on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's an extension of your personality, whether it be tie dye, marble, matte, or whatever. Like right. you pull it out your bag, it looks good. Yeah. But 15 years ago, nobody had those shits. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we kind of linked that product to, I guess, the new age water bottle. We're very early on it. Mm-hmm. in the marketplace um there's no product out there right now everybody has stainless steel straws but nobody's thinking about how to get those straws from point a to point b mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. kind of mind-blowing yeah that's a good um, point but that's our differentiator because at, at its core it's just a straw but nobody 
made a nice looking case for you to throw it in your bag or your coat mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's cool. Um, the real opportunity that I'm interested in is a commercial application for paper straws. Yep. Um, because again, they're literally passing laws. You know, they've already passed a law statewide in California, citywide in Seattle. Um, it was on the ballot here in Chicago last November, the referendum, 60% of voters said they're in favor of a straw ban. Yeah. So in my eyes, it's not a matter of if, it's a, it's a matter of when. And so like really working to provide that alternative for not only cities and governments, but restaurants, hotels. My background is really interesting, sports venues. Yeah, pretty oh, much totally. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. So how many straws are used like in a year? Yeah, and, and I don't want to go down that. Well, the number far, is but... 500 million per day. I think that's a little Ooh, high. Yeah. Um, I think that's re- very high, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's not unrealistic. Right. Either way, you're talking about enormous scale. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Our capacity is 100 million per month right now wow. of paper straws. You know, and that's just a fraction right. uh, of the total market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm not trying to sell straws to everybody, right. but I'm right. trying to sell straws to the right people. Right. Uh, high volume. Um, you know, large scale, and there's a repeat purchasing mechanism to it as well. So, mm-hmm. you know. Have anybody, has anyone approached you about buying Swizzle? I, mean, I saw the Aardvark straws. Yeah. By a- yeah, Aardvark got bought um, late August uh, for a nice multiple. And we actually talked to the guys who bought Aardvark um, just like as a friendly conversation, right, right, kind of, right. you know, like, hey, what's up? This is what we're doing. Um, but I think there, there's definitely an opportunity for that, right. for sure. Um, but we just have to get to um, a certain number. Um, and Before I think we start. can do that. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to be in a straw business forever. So uh, if we could get it to a nice number relatively quickly, I think mm-hmm. we'd be attractive to a lot of people. So you mentioned Kobe and Durant. You know, I mean, those guys are the famous guys. I mean, do you have any heroes in business slash sports that you want to model your, or are you trying to create a new path? Uh, I think I'm creating a new path, but there's there's a lot of good examples out there. Yeah. Like David Robinson yeah. is doing amazing things. Uh, Junior Bridgman does amazing things, right. but nobody really talks about these guys. Um, who else? I mean, even shit here locally, Izzy Adonijay. Right. Um, you know, he was a guy that I kind of looked at, you know, one, because he was close proximity, uh, but he does some really awesome stuff. Right. And has like a diverse portfolio, uh, everything from like real estate to crypto. We did a lot of stuff in cryptocurrency and tokenization together. Um, you know, oh, sorry, you were early stage crypto crypto king. Was my wife I've, and I, we call you the crypto king. What what's going on in the I'm crypto on the fr- space? I'm a fringe guy, man. <laughs> I get out there and try to figure stuff out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, crypto. It was a bad 2018 for sure. Um, you know going into it and I got in like late summer early fall 2017 so right. like right before it skyrocketed yeah, yeah. Right. which was awesome um, but you know I think I have long term belief in the application for blockchain not necessarily saying everything needs a token right. to do to get a cup of coffee or mm-hmm. to pump gas whatever it is right, right. and that's what was kind of happening everybody was you know entrepreneurs were seeing it as an opportunity to raise money for their business mm-hmm. because it wasn't debt and it wasn't equity either. Like right. they were just like, here's a token. 
it's going to be worth something. Mm-hmm. Give me the money so I can use it to grow my business. So it, as an entrepreneur, it's a win, right. right? You're not taking on debt. You're not giving people equity, but you're still getting money in the bank. So, right. Um, but I do think there's an opportunity for blockchain technology. And I was tinkering around with a few businesses. They all kind of fell through. Um, but hopefully, you know, the market rebounds because I'm still pretty vested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't have money with that guy that died with the password, that Canadian... No. Nah. There's, uh, there's, there's a Canadian that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, some dude Alex. has like a couple hundred million. Yeah. And, uh, cryptocurrency and died. He was the only one. That <laughs> he was the only one that had the passwords. A couple hundred million. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. the problem with with yeah. crypto. You know, I think sometimes people over engineer or over complicate things, and this is supposed to be like a simple solution, yeah. but right. You know, all these wallets with these this encryption scheme and everybody's right. got it. It right. gets kind of wonky and clunky. Yeah. For sure. It's not it's not a smooth process at all. Right. No. So in the near term, so TechLead still exists, mm-hmm. right? And so you're still pursuing opportunities on the VC side? Uh, strategic opportunities. Yeah. So like a one, uh, I can't say the name, but right. like a really... A fast, a very fast-growing company um, in the men's health space. Uh, I have an opportunity to invest in that. It's like already at a billion-dollar valuation. But those are the type of opportunities, minority opportunities that I'll take on moving sure. forward. Early-stage stuff, not necessarily as jazz about. Particularly if I keep going down the path that I'm going, because you know it's hard doing it by myself right. with my own money. There's, that's just not a good formula. So now I'm kind of in moving towards like a holding company mode. You know, we talk about stuff like this, like, you know, at least whether it be founding and funding a company, Mm -hmm. what I did with Swizzle, which I already have like two or three other ideas kind of baked out and getting ready to to launch or it's like buying a company. I would like to move more towards that. Yeah. Um, Because cash is good. Making money is good. Right. Um, And there's, I just feel like there's a better way to make money. Yeah. Uh, than the traditional venture model, which I think is pretty much broken. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? What the venture the, model is broken? Well, see, Ryan is a venture guy. I'm yeah. more of a kind of a, a down the middle of the road sort of. We raise money, we find a deal, then we pursue it. So, I mean, if you look at it from the real estate perspective, it's almost like an existing business mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, we're not. Uh, you know, the VC model is a little more speculative because it starts mm-hmm. a little earlier. And I, I'm just not, number one, it's not the universe that I live in. Mm-hmm. So, which is always good because I'm always learning something sure. uh, from Ryan. But, you know, it's like when he was with cryptocurrency, uh, my wife would make fun of me because she'd say, the only reason you're skeptical is because you don't know anything at all about it. That's and fair. I would say, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, that's, that's, that's for right. sure. That's, that's the You're fact. right. That's you are right. Fact yeah. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea. what I can't even conceptualize this thing. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but I know it's a real thing and I know there are people out there doing it, but you know, so uh, I'm a little bit of, of a, uh, I'm just a walker, you know, mm. I'm not a runner. Sure. So, I mean, he's sprinting. Know, he's sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a good thing. I think sometimes I, I need to work on like focusing a little bit. Um, yeah. Or at least like managing everything sure. that I got going on. It's interesting which can be that you say that because, uh, first of all, to do what you did, you've got to be a full speed guy. And I'm ta- again, we're talking about transitioning what you did as an athlete for so long into the world. So you've got to be full speed. 
you can't tiptoe or walk up to a running back and hope for a good result. No, no, yeah. it's yeah. got to be all in. <laughs> That's right. So that transition is interesting, though, and especially because when you talked about naming the things that made you successful and transferring them, the first thing that you said, I wrote it, I made a note of it, was focus, mm. right? And that's something that I wonder, and we try to teach it to athletes all the time. We work with like thousands of athletes a year. And especially, it's like the younger they are, the less they recognize that focus is a skill. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about even at like, you're a legit Super Bowl champion NFL player. It's not like, it's not your bench press. It's like, can you focus? Because chaos is coming. Can you keep your head about you while you're going full speed? Right. And maintaining focus as the intensity is ramped up right. is, de- is a real skill. That yeah. seems transferable. Yeah, big time, big time. You know, um, the phrase, I guess Mike Tyson says, is like everybody has a plan until you get punched in the <laughs> That's mouth. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. Like you go out, it, go out there on the field and like, hey man, we all got a game plan, but that shit is not all. It, right. Not always. It does not go as planned. Right. 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 You right. need to be able to adjust, be adaptable, make um, you know in-game adjustments, in-play adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so much. The, just the dynamic of specifically football. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you could take away and say, like, look, man, I have a unique skill set. Now I just gotta you know, wrap my brain around applying mm-hmm. that in a different yeah. context. And you'll be light years ahead of you know a lot of folks in the in the workforce and, you know you think about it like the corporate athlete that's like a term right right like, mm-hmm. like well if you get a real athlete right and coach coach them up right and teach them then you know i think you have a real winner what do you think are some of the differences between the athletic world and the business world right because yeah i've always said that uh, i played football but certainly not to the level that you played but uh, that the competitive world in the corporate space is just a lot different. I mean, you can't uh, you can't talk to people in the same way. No, <laughs> you can't give feedback in the same way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what, is there a better or worse? Or I mean, what? what? No, nah, I mean, the first thing that I thought about was like feedback. You know, um, like in sports in general, your feedback loop is damn near instant. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, in the workplace, in corporate, not so much. Right. You know, it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months. In venture, it's years. Right. You, you don't know if you made a good decision until two, three, four years down the road. Right. Uh, when it's like a binary situation, like, oh, somebody bought it or this company went to zero. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's the biggest difference. Is it, is it better or worse? Um, not sure, but you know, understanding where you come from with that instant feedback uh, mechanism, or like that's what you're used to, and now moving into a new space where it's not as instant, and you can't always communicate or you know, like MF somebody or right. son of a bitch, <laughs> right, like right. you know, like it, it's just different. Um, it had it hasn't been too much of an adjustment for me, right? Um, but I could see how it could be challenging for a lot of folks making that yeah. transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet. So on your website, champion investor creator. I haven't updated that website in years, by the way. But that's <laughs> still who I am. <laughs> that's it. You know what my favorite quote from that website is? But have you guys ever heard this? What's that? Have you ever seen a cheetah stretch? You ever cheated? <laughs> uh, they, they do. They that's, do? They just came up. Did you read that? Were you about to say that? No, but... Uh, uh, Hard knocks this past season. Did you see Bob Wiley, the big offensive line coach? Like, dude, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, 
think our boys were stretching before they stormed the beaches of Normandy, and it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Similar that's idea. that's absurd. That's an absurd quote. I'm excited to hear the explanation of this is. Well, the Normandy, yeah, I, I have no commentary on that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're boys stretching before they stormed the beach. These are different sources, by the way. Bob Wiley is not exactly the epitome of yeah, nah. physical fitness. He drives a Maserati, though, right? Does he? Yeah. So he's fast in his own way. Yeah, he is right. fast in his own way. Um, yeah, I mean, I use that. Have you ever seen a cheetah stretch? I mean, that's real. Some, you either got it or you don't, player. Like... Don't overthink it. Um, but I, you know, interestingly, interestingly enough, I'm I'm a stretcher. Yeah. Like yeah, I'll stretch all the damn time. Yeah. Right. Um, but like when it's time to go, like shit, let's go. go I don't. Yeah, go. I'm not trying to warm up forever. Um, yeah, it's time. I, I like. I, yeah. I saw. Was watching Ryan throw the first pitch of at a Cubs game. Nice. And his quote to the camera was. Have you ever seen a cheetah stretch? So I'm trying to figure out how I can incorporate that. I like it. Can I yeah. give a shot? Just can go. go just go with it. Because I like that. I, I, <laughs> I think. Uh, hey man, just go. I think that. So so you mentioned you do stretch, right? Yeah. But I, I think there's this idea we talk about it regularly. It's like, um, do, do cheetahs stretch? They actually do. There's these pictures. Someone just posts online because they're like yawning and whatever. Right. But. Uh, but if there's like something to eat right there, right. they don't mess with stretching. That's what I'm. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. it, right. Right. right? So I do like the prep work. Sure. But like when it's go time, I'm not. You know, like I'm not worried good. about warm up because right. I'm already ready. Right. That's you know good. what I'm saying? And that thing's gonna be gone by the time you're done with your routine. So yeah. Like, and we say this all the time. We use it in the sleep model. You know, when we talk about sleep. Um, you should sleep well, right? You like we're in a, an age of sleep deprivation. You should sleep eight hours a night, whatever. You should take care of your brain and your body and your health, whatever. But if you are called upon to go to work or go to a meeting, whatever, without sleep, then like get up and go. Mm-hmm. Right? Be mentally tough enough to go without it. Right. But but don't live a life like that. Prepare, stretch when you when you right, can. Right, right. But if but if the caribou is there, just go. You gotta go. Just go yeah. get it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go. like it. Yeah. Well, now that I understand it, within uh, you, your explanation, it makes me feel a little bit better about. It. Using it. Yeah, just go, man. <laughs> yeah. you, so, you don't stretch because you're already ready. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I already stretched. You're already stretched. Yeah, I'm you're already ready. good. Yeah. That's, that's what right. I did Monday, you know, Monday through Saturday. When that's it's right. game time, shit, let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Hey, I like that. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in Pittsburgh and then eventually kind of playing for the Steelers? By the way, is this true? I look, your high school, Jason Taylor? Yeah. Rob Gronkowski? Yes. Ryan Mundy? That's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty good. Stevie Breston. Stevie B. That's pretty wow. good. All-time punt return leader in Biz 10 history. Yeah, is that right? History. <laughs> I'm no longer saying Big 10. I'm saying Biz 10. No, nah, wow. Steve was amazing. Man, yeah. Steve was the Wait, second is best. is he really the all-time in Biz 10 history? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's incredible. I did not know that. Yeah, man, he yeah. is probably the best returner in Biz 10 history. Wow. Better than Lee Gissendaner in Northwestern? Yes. Hands down. <laughs> Lee? Lightning League? Lightning League, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the guy's name from uh, Iowa? Tim oh, Dwight. Timmy Dwight. Yeah, all those guys. Oh. Got him beat. Hands down. Because Timmy Dwight was a hell of a punt returner. Stevie I mean, Breast. That's what he did in Stevie the Stevie Breast. He had a Rose Bowl record for 10 years. Uh, McCaffrey just broke it. But he had like almost 350 yards in a Rose Bowl. Did Breston return kicks in the league? Uh, first couple years. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, from Pittsburgh, man, it was, um, you know, Pittsburgh is a is a, I think, a very small version of Chicago. Right. Like, 
it's in the East Coast state, but it's very much a Midwest city. Right. And, you know, the people there, blue collar, um, you know, down to earth, tough. Um, not a lot of diversity in Pittsburgh, either black or white. Right. And if you're black, you're pretty much like lower middle class or poor black. Um, but growing up, you don't really recognize don't that. Think about that. No, I didn't know. So you're saying you grew up lower middle class? Mm-hmm. When I grew up, yeah, oh yeah, lower middle class. Yeah, yeah. borderline lower border, middle class. Border. What yeah. was the border? What was, was um, middle class border or poor border? Poor border. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's interesting you said because when I looked at the wood, but I didn't Hills, know that they though. said seventy percent of the students there were on some sort of lunch aid, and and you know the free lunch program. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I didn't go. I grew up in the actual city. Woodland Hills is the first suburb east oh, okay. of the city. All right. And, you know, speaking about just a little bit about Woodland Hills. So it's a dynamic community of it was a consolidated of about four or five different high schools mm-hmm. ranging from like affluent white people all the way down to dirt poor black people. Right. Uh, and they had this big consolidation in 1987 um, that brought. Busing and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a mess. And then particularly just from a football standpoint, you got four different football teams coming into one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Went from four schools to one? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, Churchill, Rankin, Braddock, uh, and Swissville High School. And also Turtle Creek, so five. Five high schools into one. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, but we were were legendary, uh, always known for our football program since 87 uh, but my time in high school uh, we were ranked in the top five by the USA Today um, we had a really good team um, we won champion I only won I only lost three games in high school oh wow yeah two state championship games and one district championship game which is interesting because we always had a shit ton of talent. Right. Nobody could beat us until the well, last game. Well, look, I mean, look right. at look at Jason. That's an absurd list. Yeah. That's an absurd yeah. list of people yeah. right there. It, I think it was like 2010 and 2011, but we had the most guys um, on active NFL rosters with eight. Wow. From one high from school. One from one high, high school. school. Yeah. That's wow. unbelievable. Yeah, it was Jason, uh, Gronk, me, Steve Breston, uh, a guy named Shante Spencer, cornerback, Lusaka Polite, fullback. Um, who else? I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, TJ, uh, Terrence Johnson, cornerback. Darren Walls, cornerback. Oh, Darren Walls. That's right. That's yeah. the name I forgot. Notre Dame. Um, we got a few now. Uh, some younger guys. Yep. I mean, Gronk is probably a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Taylor just got in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I so mean, two Hall of Famers from one high school. Go. That's serious. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we claim Gronk. Gronk was only at our high school for one year. But oh, but, oh, he played. Oh, his senior year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but shoot, he got a diploma from Willing Hill, so you are you are Woody High. You're a Willing Hills graduate. <laughs> yeah, you are a graduate. That's it. So yeah. then, so then, all of a sudden, you end up back in Pittsburgh, right? As yeah. a pro. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I left and went to Michigan. Amazing mm-hmm. experience. Best Biz Ten school ever. Um, he I didn't know. mean I it. He didn't I, mean I, it. I, I, and then know. I had a quick stop at uh, West Virginia. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, to your point, got drafted back home yeah. in 2008, which was a mind-blowing experience. And for those who uh, don't have their calendars out or whatever, that Super Bowl, was was that year one for you? Yeah, and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> ah, <okay. laughs> 
It's like, wow, this shit is amazing. We just won the Super Bowl. We should do this like every year. God, you know, God, this is easy. Like, you know, like, why isn't everybody winning Super Bowls? One yeah. for one. Not, not so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not so much. But yeah, that was that was a great year. Well, that was up and down year for me personally, um, because I got injured during training camp, hmm. and um, this fat ass lineman hit me late during right. the preseason game. Oh, had a high ankle sprain. I played, which is the worst. Yeah, I played That's ten plays in my first preseason game and did not play a, a, a snap after that. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And so um, the Steelers, you know, they weren't going to keep like keep me around because provided no value. Um, So they injured, uh, released me, and I was at home, like literally at home, uh, staying with my parents for the first nine weeks of that season. Uh And when they released me, they were like, yo, we're going to bring you back, um, but we just can't keep you right now. Right. Uh, So, you know, get better. And when in time, when the the first opportunity that we can bring you back, we will. Right. But that wasn't until... Week ten, right? So I was like, "Oh fuck, that's like seems like forever, right. you know." Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a tough period, you know, because you're literally in limbo. Like, and I'm a young guy. I'm like, "Oh, well, they said they'll bring me back, but I don't, I don't fucking right. know." You know, it's the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they stuck to the word. They brought me back as soon as they could. Um, that's based awesome. on someone getting injured, or no? Nah, they just, just brought me back and cut another guy. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, right. they cut a guy that I went to Michigan with too, which was oh, kind of wow. yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, a guy named Grant Mason. Uh, Grant's a great dude, but it was awkward because like I was sure. walking in and he was, was walking, walking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he knew exactly what time it was. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was, but it was cool though. I mean, that's the business, and, right. you know. So don't get mad at me. Um, but yeah, brought me back, and then you know, won the Super Bowl a few months later. So. But by the way, when you said that's the business, do you, did you feel the pressure every day? Like they're always trying to find ways to cut you or find ways to. I think in those overcome? first couple, no, in those first couple years, like man, like I don't know if I'm going to be on the roster. Right. Um, until you really solidify yourself. Right. You know, especially I was a six-round draft pick. Right. Um, and it was already cut once, well, due to injury. But still, um, you know, I knew that following training camp and off-season, like, I had to go out there and prove myself, mm-hmm. um, you know, because nothing was guaranteed. But I didn't – that didn't really kind of subside until, like, year – for me, I, I felt kind of good at, moving forward after that first training camp. I was like, yeah. man, I got this. Yeah. So I wasn't. Nec- I knew they would bring people in, right? But I wasn't necessarily focused on them. I was just focused on me, and I knew if I did what I needed to do, I'd be good. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing you said to me was that I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that Tomlin said football doesn't define you, some or something like that. Yeah, and, uh, he but, said um, football is not um, who you are; it's what you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have there been other coaches who said things or done things that have stuck with you, whether it's from elementary school up through uh, Mark Tressman? <laughs> um, yeah, I, my uh, my high school coach was was pretty uh, influential. Um, you know, he always used to preach to us about adversity mm. and you know hard work. And again, he was I think he was a great manager of personalities right and and uh that that was a big lesson looking back that i uh, can reflect on and say like i understand and learn from that um 
No, that was probably the most profound thing, though, Mike Tomlin, that yeah. is applicable for life after football. Right. You know, because you could be in the moment and be talking about, like, hey, you need to take this step here. Mm-hmm. And it could be, like, very football-centric. Um, but that was, like, the biggest thing that kind of stuck with me. I'm glad you brought that up. You, Because um, one thing that continues to, like, jump out to me is the is the post-career transition. So, like... What you just outlined, you are you essentially come home, win a Super Bowl, play an eight-year NFL career, mm-hmm. then then get injured, and yeah, there's always for every sort of athlete, even the ones who didn't have a career as uh, long and as decorated as yours, there's always there's always an end, and how you handle the end will oftentimes define the experience. Right. You know what I mean, what like how you frame it and then move forward. So football, like it's what you do. Uh, I think that's probably great foresight on Tomlin's part. Yeah. Because it's like, this is... Yeah, and it was yeah. believable, which and is, right. you know, because there's a lot of coach speak out there. Totally. Right. Totally. Like, you know, like, this guy don't really give a fuck, or like, he's just saying it right. kind of right. as lip service. That's what he feels like he's supposed um, to say. But yeah. that, that was something that resonated with me, for sure. Sure. Yeah. That, um, what did that... So you jump right into business, mm. and I want to... And this is, I hope, going to help a lot of people. Has business sort of... Uh, check the competitive box in your mind or like or, or was you mentioned it could be its own podcast we won't jump into it fully but there's a very real transition people period for people like even if they recognize that I am not football football is what I did or whatever mm. it's swimming tennis whatever, whatever it is, it is yeah. um, how do you how do you readdress like who you are and move forward that's tough for people so uh, you asked me about the competitive part or like I, re- I guess like so Re-identify, yeah. I wonder if you can differentiate them. You know, like, yeah, I mean, even away. Okay. Um, So, like, starting with the competitive part, like, I wasn't looking for something to check boxes. Right. Um, You know, I just kind of, like, I'm a, I go at my gut Mm -hmm. probably too much, Um, but everything is is a feel. Most things are a feel for me. Um, So, I was looking for, like, something that felt a certain way or gave me a certain type of, of, of feeling not necessarily like oh well does this you know does this allow me to be um, you know have some social interaction or does this check the competitive box that I didn't look at it that way um, but I think it does mm-hmm. for sure I definitely think it does and then so like the next question um, reassessing or re-identifying yourself through that transition man it's hard you know, and I'm not saying that I mastered it. Um, I definitely had days of doubt. Shit, I still got days of doubt. Right. Um, but, you know, the the key thing is, is like, you know, thinking about what your, I guess, quote, North Star is. And, and, and also reflecting on what you've been through and, and uh, have been able to accomplish to kind of fuel you fuel you to move forward and I think that's something that's not done enough or Mm -hmm. celebrated enough right like to your point like you know you're I think being very kind about my career and generous and saying like decorative but I don't I don't always necessarily see my career as that right and I think sometimes sport and what you do can become normalized like for me it's like oh shit well yeah I played NFL for eight years yeah I won the Super Bowl it kind of because you hear it so much and you've done it, yeah. it doesn't um, have that same feel or effect 
So sometimes I have to remind myself, like, yo, like the stuff that I did, my life is not normal. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and still right. manage an appreciation for that. And I, I'll tell you a short story. Like one moment that I had with that was I did a football camp at Soldier Field maybe two summers ago. Mm-hmm. And 300 kids from the south and west side, uh, some of their families, and come down, field are, where the kids come on the field. You know, everybody's taking pictures and having a great time and just like, wow, this is cool, this is cool. Go into the visitor, my the visitor's locker room right. that's empty, nothing's in there. They're taking pictures and all that stuff. And here I am, you know, like been there, done I'm like, man, it's just an empty locker room. Right. And it's just an empty field. There's no lines on it, there's no nothing. But right. you know, I really had to humble myself there. Like, man, these kids may not ever have the opportunity to let alone come on this field again, but they may never come to the stadium right. ever again. Right. Right. So, you know, thinking about that right. in perspective, you know, it's like, well, wow, like, you know, definitely blessed right. uh, to, to accomplish some of the things that I've accomplished. And now understanding that, you know, using that fuel as fuel and confidence mm-hmm. to move forward. Fuel is a good word. I like, yeah, I, I, I wonder because there's such a next play mentality in all sports, but especially football. Move on to the next play. Yeah, you yeah. don't have time to sure. think about That's right. or appreciate what you did. That's right. It's like, all right, what's next? That's right. What's next? Right. What's next? But to be empowered by what you've done yeah. seems like a meaningful way to fuel the next play. Yeah, the next for step sure. Or whatever that might yeah. be. Yeah, it's not, it's not normal. Like, I played eight years in the NFL. Right. That's damn near three times the average. Which is right. 1% yeah. of 1% of <laughs> exactly. can say anything close. Right. Yeah, not even close. So, yeah. you know, always, and I, personally, you know, admittedly so, I need to do a better job of acknowledging that, recognizing that, um, and taking ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think not only applicable to me, but, you know, whatever you've done sure. throughout your career, you know, take ownership of it, be proud, and use that as fuel to, for you to move forward. Right. So how do you, do you how do you how does your family see you? Your father, husband, your wife and kids kind of see you. I mean, you're, do you purposely try to do things to set examples for them, or are you just you know doing what you do? Um, yeah, I think you know I'm the father of two little girls, so um, definitely want to be a great role model uh, for them, and and I think even more so with my my wife particularly because I think she plays a major role in their upbringing. Right. And so, like, I feel like, and particularly in this climate where everybody's about um, diversity, inclusion, empowerment, mm-hmm. I think it's it's extremely important that I support my children and, you know, fuel their dreams and tell them they could do whatever they want to do, but right. even more so my wife, because she could live that for them. She's she's a woman, they're little girls, right? right? So they could start to have that projection about what's possible for them. Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know, thinking about what their life could be. So like my wife, she's, my wife has like three jobs now. Um, <laughs> yeah, what does she do? She's in real estate. Well, she's part-time real estate, really part-time real estate. Uh, she works for J&J full-time, and then she owns an eyelash studio. Wow. Um, and my kids go over to the eyelash studio, and that's it's like... That's Jamaican in there. Yeah, jobs, yeah, right? definitely, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I get very excited and happy, you know, thinking about, you know, them picturing their mother as, like, you know, the entrepreneur or the worker. Because yeah, right? I could do everything until I'm blue in the face, but mm-hmm. it's different when it comes from their mother. So. that sort of model, that's mm-hmm. right. Do you have, um, that's really good. First of all, I, I like that idea. Um, it's a, it's kind of a, in, to the Tomlin point, an interesting identity switch. Like, I'm not a football player, football is what I do, but there's something that you can't, um, 
like get off of you and that is you are a role model whether you want to be or not that's right. an interesting thing for i think people in the spotlight athletes in particular to, to have to sort of show it's not the charles barkley i am not a role model well no. yeah you don't get to choose that i think right. is the problem no right. offense to charles i think he's really entertaining and probably a good guy yeah but, uh, yeah you, you it's almost like you don't get that choice those kids who were there on that day in soldier field you know, you don't you don't get to you don't get to have a bad day, right? You know what I mean? Because they're looking at you. Yeah, you want it or not. And, and I think that's hard. Yeah. You know, I think the latest example of that would be like Kyrie Irving, yeah, totally. right. Who is you know, I guess going through something right now, yeah. but you know, just the pressures of being a superstar athlete. You know, that, that definitely takes a toll. Talk about um, that. That's a really interesting yeah. current event. I actually just wrote a little thing on it. I'd be happy to share with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, like he's, I think. I don't know the exact quote or sound bite, but he's like, you know, I'm just here to play basketball. I didn't sign up for anything extra, but like, yo, you just did a movie, Uncle right, Drew. Right, right, <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I, I don't, I don't know. You know, right. that maybe it's just a temporary moment type thing, but mm -hmm. you know, he's what, 26? Yeah, he's I mean, it's hard. Yeah, he's it's hard. Yeah, yeah it, it comes with the territory, and I, I think, you know, you just have to find an outlet, and then also find ways to, you know, manage, and because it's it's going to come with the territory again, right? But find what works with right. you. So another example would be like Kawhi Leonard, mm -hmm. right? Like he hasn't compromised on who he is as a person, right. but it's almost kind of flipped and mm -hmm. said like, look, this dude is entertaining because he's in, he's himself. Yeah. Um, like he's kind of awkward and, uh, and weird and people expect that right. from him now. Sure. Right. I think he signed with Puma and just like mm. they're doing weird. Right. I love yeah. That. Yeah. Weird stuff. <laughs> um, but that's him. Yeah. Right. So he out a whole right. year. Yeah. On the mystery injury. Right. Right. He is. So you find it. Yeah. You just kind of be yourself. But and you then got, flip but what the else could you be? That's right. Mm -hmm. I wonder how you think we started the day talking about Snapchat uh, before we got on the air. I wonder how social media has impacted that. Cause you mentioned like the Kyrie thing. I was looking this up the other day. Kyrie has more Instagram followers than Belgium. If you think about that, he, I mean, it's like million, wow. the audiences that these guys so he's got more than 12 million people. He's got like 14 and a half, something like yeah, that. And I wow. love that Hugh knows the population of Belgium just offhand. That's impressive. But like, you know what I'm saying? Antwerp. So it's this interesting back and forth because it's like, uh, you know, I didn't ask for this. I want to play basketball. That's fair. That is totally fair. But you also, like, you don't have to have the social media presence, which I think is wearing on these guys a little bit. Like, Kevin Durant, every, you know, every once in a while, yeah. know, that'll be, you know. Yeah, like, you can elect to not participate. You could. Right? You can, but that, you know, that wouldn't be optimizing the opportunity. The business, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the power of social media, and I came up during an interesting time where, you know, like the back end of my career, like social media was really Just, starting right, to take off. Right. Um, but I can remember like being on Facebook and I remember, shoot, I was in college in my dorm room uh, when Facebook first hit our campus, so right. like when it was the Facebook. Right. So yeah. like I came up in an interesting time, like where everybody was figuring out social mm -hmm. media, but I think now it's a whole different landscape where people really know how to use the tools to drum up business mm -hmm. and awareness and visibility. Yeah. Um, so now I think the landscape is a little bit different, 
because there were a lot of unknowns and you see you used to see a lot of guys getting in a shit ton of trouble for what they tweeted mm-hmm. right but I think now like if you tweet something stupid like you're just right. stupid you, know? you, know, you, <laughs> you, should, you should know like come on man like Kyrie. there's there's <laughs> years of examples <laughs> right. of like right. people making missteps on social media but like when I was coming up everybody was still kind of figuring yeah, this right. whole thing out right. but just speaking about social I think it's it's a tremendous opportunity to do whatever you want again do use it for whatever you want to use it for don't right. let it use you right that's that that's it. it's a platform um not only the sport the nba or the nfl like they're gonna get whatever they can get out of you right sure. so right. now you know take a spe- step back figure out you know what you want out of the situation and go for it well by hey you when you yeah. said they're gonna get whatever they can get out of you do a lot of players realize that think no. that way right? nobody does they don't no i don't think so really yeah that's surprising it's it's hard to manage all that, right? I think you know, particularly in a young person's mind, especially in college. Yeah, that's that's where you really need to have that mindset. It's that like they're going to get what they're going to get out of you. One thousand percent, right? And you're not getting paid, right? Right. Well, you were so, in a little different situation. I mean, you were in the. I wasn't getting paid in college. Uh, I'm joking. I mean, yeah, well done, golden handshakes. But I mean, playing at Michigan is not like playing at Illinois State. No, I mean, so but those guys a are different th- universe. But those guys are making the same sacrifice, right? You know, they're right. compromising their education, right, mm-hmm. for athletic performance. Oh, but Ryan, the football allowed you to get an education, one thousand <laughs> yeah. percent. No, I, by the way, I say that tongue in cheek. I mean, because no, you know, I mean, yeah, no. We've had this debate before. Actually, it gives you the opportunity, at least, where for people who may not have been open. Well, to that but world the before. problem is the problem with the coaches is that they don't. Their primary concern is winning, winning. games. That's it. At every level, right? I mean, their concern isn't. You know, Ryan. I think that you should meet Mr. Ross, right? Because right. you've got entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's one of the wealthiest Michigan alums right. of all time. Now Ryan's right. going out and met him on his own, but mm-hmm. that's not how coaches think, right? That's right. right. No, they're not thinking like that. They're they, not. They don't I mean, the whole incentive, the incentives are misaligned. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. from the academic advisor to the coach, everybody's uh, primary incentive is to keep you. The academic incentive is to keep you eligible. Right. Yeah. So, what is the path of right. least resistance there? Right. Right. Coaches, they're incentivized for you to win games. So again, if I'm, if you have divided focus or your attention is somewhere else, and you know there can be an argument made that hey, that may affect your on-field play. Right. Um, yeah, just the incentive system is is kind of. I mean, how many coaches yes. in Michigan earn seven figures? I don't know. That's right. a good question. It's got to be the head coach, the OC, the DC. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, the incentives are just whacked out. Yeah, it's too bad. And, and that's yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think not to cut you off, but no. people talk about well, oh, you should pay college players. I get it, but I think back to my time in college where I lived like a king off of eight hundred and eighty dollars a month. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, like in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor. Right, right. So it ain't all bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, it's right. not all bad. I had right. two phones. Right. Had a car. That's right. You know, That's the American dream. In a yeah, it's like come on now. I think I think got, I think I think the dynamic has gotten a little out of hand. Where yeah. guys like, you know, I didn't even know what Gucci and Louis Vuitton was. You know, but now guys want all that type of bullshit. That's right. That's like, right. no, nah, you don't need that. In college did you hear the Tennessee what? basketball coach recently? Right. Do you hear those? Do you nah. hear his quotes? Mm-hmm. Well, they just uh, suspended him, and he was recruiting. They have him on tape. The feds. Have him saying the following. This is just a paraphrase. 
why is this kid not committing to us? I mean, we gave him more than the rookie NBA contract, oh and he's not God. even and he's not even a one and done guy. He's a three year guy. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's it's such, it, it is. I hate to say it, and and you know I don't hate to say it. If some if a college coach listens to this and is um, insulted by it, good. Like there are people getting jobs at those levels at a place, and I'm not suggesting it's about Harbaugh, but at well, a you place know, like Michigan, Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, he's there. There are yeah. some exceptions, <laughs> but. Uh, but I, I like you. You get the job in part saying you know the old cliches like we're going to make this guy a better husband and father yeah, and, sure. and you know he, academic. But then like what are you actually doing to uphold that if you're just trying to keep him eligible and help him have to get on the field for right. the bowl game? Right. Um, that and that's and that's want. why I say like the argument I think is very misguided in saying like oh we should pay college athletes. Right. No, you should. I okay. Take a step back. You should do all that for college athletes. But if you're going to pay them, then tell them how to manage money. Right. Totally. Right. Because, uh, yeah, you know, if that, you give them more money, then it'll just end up right back out the door. So that's not solving the, the core problem. People right. don't look at how to really solve the core problem. When you do that, you won't have 30 for 30 brokes anymore. Right. Um, you know, which is bullshit in my opinion anyway. Right. But um, like well, you say bullshit in your opinion that they even put it on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's the sob story that they, right. you know, people. Right. That's, that's why I say like earlier, like people don't talk about Junior Bridgman. Right. But that's people don't talk. There's no, have. there's no narrative out there well, about David Robinson right. or right. Magic Johnson. Like, right. where's their documentary right. at? Right. You know, Alex Rodriguez. Where, where's their coverage a at? A Rod owns fifteen thousand apartments. I mean, yeah. right. And a lot of other yeah. guys too that right. we'll never know Ryan because Morgan. nobody, yeah, nobody knows that story. Nobody knows that's that story. That's and by the way, I think there are more stories to the positive than one thousand percent. It's always it's easy to find the guy that you know invested one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in, you know, Oceanside, in an Oceanside site in Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easy to find mm -hmm. that guy, but it, it's you know to find a guy like Ryan who's right. grinding every day. And building a business and expanding a brand. Well, no, you know. It's not, well, and that's like, we could, that could be its own pocket. That's the business of news. You know that. Like, like a uh, former athlete does pretty damn well for himself, just isn't a headline. You well, know what I, mean? I think you I want think, to see I, the guy that's living well, it's, it's got to be. It's got to be a headline you know, for straws. Yeah, it should be. A, there you go. That, that's a play where we get all these <laughs> these stadiums on board. Former player provides eco-friendly solution see, for that, Bear Stadium. Well, that's a different, yeah. Headlines. I actually think more people are interested in stories like Ryan's than people think. And it's just a function of getting them out there. No, for it, sure. So it, I, I think I would push back on that only because um, there's an economy for this and it's, and it's clicks, right? There, there's like, there is feedback. If people aren't clicking on, on the eco-friendly thing as well, much as they're clicking, clicking I, I think, a, I think it's both, crash. right? It, so like we ended up, we had a hit in cranes for my, for my company Swizzle. Nice. Um, we were only in business for four months. Yeah. Like if you're in business for four months and you end up with like a full page crane mm -hmm. spread, you gotta be doing people something. That's right. Yeah, people are interested, right? I don't think yeah. that's that's common. Right. Um, but yet and still, like when you add all the factors into it, it makes for a compelling story. But I could definitely, you know, sure. agree to your point. And, say, well, like, and let me just say, like, I'm not endorsing that. I'm yeah, just sure. saying, you know what I mean? That's oh, what yeah. those people, hey, that's what the business, or the newspaper businesses are trying to do to stay alive. Sure. Well, I didn't say it was a huge market. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, anyway, but it's out there. But the market's out there. Out there. That's so, uh, Ryan, really appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. And, and um, we'll end with what's on your nightstand right now? Because you said you've been reading. What are you, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading this book called Scaling Up. Yeah. Uh, it's about the Rockefeller habits um, of like building an organization and a business. 
people, strategy, execution, and cash. Those are like the four pillars. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm reading about the sinking of the Lusitania, so. There you go. It's the opposite of business. Also about people, <laughs> no. strategy, execution, and cash. You might have went yeah. the wrong way. Last question, kind of closing question. Advice to a future leader from a leader in the field right. currently. Uh, advice to a future leader. Well, how about that? You remember that when you wrote the letter? Didn't you write a letter to yourself once? Well, when you quit the NFL, when you retired, didn't you write an open letter to the NFL? I thought you did. Oh, the CTE thing? Oh, uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking. I thought nah. you did. No? Okay. Uh -uh. Now, advice to a future leader, um, be curious. That's good. Um, again, that's just kind of like my personal ethos. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, be curious, open yourself up to new people, experiences. Right. Um because leaders have to have a certain level of foresight, vision, predictability, mm -hmm. anticipation. And it's hard to have that if you're not on the edge of what's going on, what trends, what people are talking about. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to have that if you're, if you're not curious. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. And who's on your Mount Rushmore of leaders? And then we're done. Mount <laughs> Rushmore of leaders. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Obama fan. Mm -hmm. um, I've been kind of digging Howard Schultz lately. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm not super jazzed about his presidential run. Right. But I've come across some content okay. uh, of his that is, that is interesting. Um, Rich Branson is a guy trying to model my whole business after. Right. Um, a guy who's extremely curious just by starting 200-plus businesses. Yeah, right. Um, doing so, things. Yeah, doing stuff. Doing things. Right. 200 plus businesses, is that right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah he's done everything from soda to airplanes mm. to hotels. Dude, remember right. when, he, when he had the superstore? I was living Cellular in Paris phones. and I would go to the uh, Virgin Megastore, mm -hmm. like, which was on the Shans. I was like, it was right. a real ass store. Yeah. You know, Insane. I mean, so. And then how many? Four? Um, Jay Z. I mean, how many people are on Mount Rushmore? It's four. four. It's four. Yeah. yeah, definitely Jay-Z, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Jay-Z, I'm, yeah. I'm a businessman. Well, no, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. Business Jay-Z yeah. Jay yeah. is crushing it right now. I love that. Yeah. I love that. He, yeah. So those would, those would be Obama, the four. Obama, Howard Schultz, Richard Branson, and Jay-Z. Jay That's pretty good. Well done. Well Start done. carving. Can we get, can we get <laughs> yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah. And a fist spot for Ryan Monday. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for yeah. sharing that with us. I think people are getting a lot out of it. All good, man. Yeah, for real. For sure. Well, and cool, thanks guys. to the Map Room for letting us use the spot. Thank, right. you, Thank you, Map Room. Thank you, Map Room. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.